Section 5 of In the Fourth Year, Anticipations of a World Peace by H. G. Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Shurman. Section 5, Chapter 5a, Getting the League Idea Clear in Relation to Imperialism. It is idle to pretend that even at the present time the idea of the League of Free Nations has secure possession of the British mind. There is quite naturally a sustained opposition to it in all the fastness of aggressive imperialism. Such papers as the Times and the Morning Post remain hostile and obstructive to the expression of international ideas. Most of our elder statesmen seem to have learnt nothing and forgotten nothing during the years of wildest change the world has ever known. But in the general mind of the British peoples the movement of opinion from a narrow imperialism towards internationalism has been wide and swift, and it continues steadily. One can trace week by week and almost day by day the Americanization of the British conception of the Allied war aims. And it must be interesting to reproduce here three communications upon this question made at different times by the present writer to the press. The circumstances of their publication are significant. The first is in substance identical with the letter which was sent to the Times late in May 1917 and rejected as being altogether too revolutionary. For nowadays, the correspondence of the Times is now apparently selected and edited in accordance with the views upon public policy held by the acting editor for the day. More and more has that paper become the organ of a sort of Oxford imperialism three or four years behind the Times and very ripe and expert. The letter is here given as it was finally printed in the issue of the Daily Chronicle for June 4, 1917, under the heading Wanted, a Statement of Imperial Policy. Sir, the time seems to have come for much clearer statements of outlook and intention from this country than it has hitherto been possible to make. The entry of America into the war and the banishment of autocracy and aggressive diplomacy from Russia have enormously cleared the air, and the recent great speech of General Smuts at the Savoy Hotel is probably only the first of a series of experiments in the statement. It is desirable alike to clear out our own heads, to unify our efforts, and to give the nations of the world some assurance and standard for our national conduct in the future that we should now define the idea of our empire and its relation to the world outlook much more clearly than has ever hitherto been done. Never before in the history of mankind has opinion counted for so much, and persons and organizations for so little, as in this war. Never before has the need for clear ideas, widely understood and consistently sustained, been so commandingly vital. What do we mean by our empire, and what is its relation to that universal desire of mankind the permanent rule of peace and justice in the world. The whole world will be the better for a very plain answer to that question. 
Is it not time for us as British not merely to admit to ourselves, but to assure the world that our empire as it exists today is a provisional thing, that in scarcely any part of the world do we regard it as more than an emergency arrangement, as a necessary association that must give place ultimately to the higher synthesis of a world league, that here we hold as trustees and there on account of strategic considerations that may presently disappear and that though we will not contemplate the replacement of our flag anywhere by the flag of any other competing nation, though we do hope to hold together with our kin and with those who increasingly share our tradition and language, nevertheless we are prepared to welcome great renunciations of our present ascendancy and privileges in the interests of mankind as a whole. We need to make the world understand that we do not put our nation nor our empire before the commonwealth of man. Unless presently we are to follow Germany along the tragic path of her national vanity and her world ambitions have made for her, that is, what we have to make clear now. It is not only our duty to mankind, it is also the same course for our own preservation. Is it not the plain lesson of this stupendous and disastrous war that there is no way to secure civilization from destruction except by an impartial control and protection in the interests of the whole human race, a control representing the best intelligence of mankind, of these main causes of war. First, the politically undeveloped tropics. Second, shipping and international trade. And third, small nationalities and all regions in a state of political impotence or confusion. It is our case against the Germans that in all these three cases they have subordinated every consideration of justice and the general human welfare to a monstrous national egotism. That argument has a double edge. At present there is a vigorous campaign in America, Russia, the neutral countries generally, to represent British patriotism as equally egotistic, and our purpose in this war as a mere parallel to the German purpose. In the same manner, though, perhaps with less persistency, France and Italy are also caricatured. We are supposed to be grabbing at Mesopotamia and Palestine, France at Syria. Italy is represented as pursuing Machiavellian policy towards the unfortunate Greek Republicans with her eyes on the Greek islands and Greece in Asia. Is it not time that these base imputations were repudiated clearly and conclusively by our alliance? And is it not time that we began to discuss in much more frank and definite terms that has hitherto been done the nature of the international arrangement that will be needed to secure the safety of such liberated populations as those of Palestine, of the Arab regions of the old Turkish Empire, of Armenia, of reunited Poland, and the like? I do not mean here mere diplomatic discussions and understandings. I mean such full and plain statements as will be spread throughout the world and grasped and assimilated by ordinary people everywhere, statements by which we as a people will be prepared to stand 
or fall. Almost as urgent is the need for some definite statement about Africa. General Smuts has warned not only the empire but the whole world of the gigantic threat to civilization that lies in the present division of Africa between various keenly competitive European powers, any one of which will be free to misuse the great natural resources at its disposal and to arm millions of black soldiers for aggression. A mere elimination of Germany from Africa will not solve that difficulty. What we have to eliminate is not this nation or that, but the system of national shoving and elbowing, that treatment of Africa as the board for a game of beggar my neighbor and damn the niggers, in which a few syndicates, masquerading as national interests, snatch a profit to the infinite loss of all mankind. We want a lowering of barriers and a unification of interests. We want an international control of these disputed regions to override nationalist exploitation. The whole world wants it. It is a chastened and reasonable world we live in today, and the time for white reason and the wide treatment of these problems is now. Finally, the time is drawing near when the Egyptian and the nations of India will ask us, are these things going on forever here as they go on now, or are we to look for the time when we, too, like the Africander, like the Canadian and the Australian, will be your confessed and equal partners? Would it not be wise to answer that question in the affirmative before the voice in which it is asked grows thick with anger? In Egypt, for example, we are either robbers very like, except for a certain difference in touch, the Germans in Belgium, or are we honourable trustees? It is our claim and pride to be honorable trustees. Nothing so becomes a trustee as a cheerful openness of disposition. Great Britain has to table her world policy. It is a thing overdue. No doubt we have already a literature of liberal imperialism and a considerable accumulation of declarations by this statesman or that. But what is needed is a formulation much more representative, official and permanent than that, something that can be put beside President Wilson's clear rendering of the American idea. We want all our peoples to understand, and we want all mankind to understand, that our empire is not a net about the world in which the progress of mankind is entangled, but a self-conscious political system working side by side with the other democracies of the earth, preparing the way for, and prepared at last, to sacrifice and merge itself in the world confederation of free and equal peoples. End of section 5